Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Genesis. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with with yourselves because you sold me. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me father to Pharaoh and lord of all his houses and ruler over the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up and get my father and say to him, Thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of the Lord. This morning's gospel reading is found in the sixth chapter of Luke. Jesus said, but I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. For do unto others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters in faith. Now, today's readings were about loving your enemy. Enemy, man, I mean, that's it's kind of a strong word. A person who feels hatred for, fosters, fosters harmful designs against, or engages in antagonistic activities against another, an adversary or opponent. I mean, got to be honest with you, I can't say that I, I actually hate somebody that much. But okay, to play along and with the spirit of what Jesus is teaching, what about someone who's just kind of annoying? Like someone that you just can't understand why they believe the things they do, who doesn't seem to follow reason. Someone who always might think that they're better than you or superior to you. Come on now, I've planted a seed or two, haven't I? You're thinking about that person now, aren't you? Can you think of an enemy or two? Now, no cheating here. I, I know that nobody here 
is going to say, nope, I love everybody. Now you're going to say it, but like in your head, you're like, but really, there's that, you know, there, there is that one person that, man, they just drive me up a wall. All right, and I want you to think about it. That one person where if I told you you were going to have to go on a five-hour car trip with this person, and they were sitting next to you, and your radio was broken, and they talked the whole time, and they also asked you a lot of leading questions, that this is the person that you'd have to be riding with. I want you to be thinking about that person. Good? Sounds horrible, doesn't it? Yet Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. I think this is the hardest teaching in the entire Bible. Do you know why? It's because we can't do it. There's literally zero chance. We are so imperfect and we always find faults in other people. We always want to blame somebody. If I love my enemy, well, they'll just take advantage of me. If I do good to those who hate me, well, they'll just think I'm some sort of pushover. Why am I not putting up a fight? They're going to think I'm weak. I don't think that's what Jesus meant. But I do think Jesus wants us to explore our mindset when we are dealing with people, especially people who do push our buttons the wrong way, the people who we might be feeling in our heads that we easily dismiss, or the ones that we think that we might be above. When we feel that way, perhaps the challenge for ourselves is to feel empathy, to truly understand why someone feels the way they do. Look, I know that there are people who perceive the world differently than myself, that I know I will never be able to agree on things with. But if I'm loving my neighbor, I have to see them for their humanity. I have to know that even if I can't change their mind, at the end of the day, this person is still my neighbor. Even if this person is still my enemy in my heart, I have to know that I have sought love, peace, and I've been gracious. One of the biggest enemies that we face is evil, and and the devil has found its way into so many nooks and crannies of our lives. We think about all of the temptations we face, the greed that we have. When we do things that we know we shouldn't do, but we still kind of justify it by saying, well, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to get hurt. Nobody's going to mind. But what we're doing to ourselves is damaging our relationship with God. Now, these last two years, I'm going to be honest, we've seen a lot of just fighting and enemies and all sorts of things kind of blowing up, haven't we? People we once trusted, now we're like, I don't know. Life's been pretty weird, hasn't it? What happened? Well, a lot of things have happened. A lot of challenges have come. I mean, think about it. We were so united, and then we weren't. And then we kind of were for a little bit, and then we found strains of hope, and then there was confusion and frustration and fear. Challenge. What if you were the one tasked with writing down what happened in the last two years? You were the one who got to document the last two years of humanity so that generations to follow would know exactly what happened when COVID-19 afflicted the world. Wow. Big responsibility, right? What would you write about? What would be some of the main bullet points that you would capture in that story? Seriously, what, what would you write about from the last two years? Just, you don't have to give me the whole document right now, but what would, you, what would be some, some words that popped out from the last couple of years? 
Shelter in place, quarantine, masking, vaccines. You're, you're on the right track, right? There's a lot of threads to this story. Do you also think that you'd perhaps include your own opinions and, you know, maybe your own bias would eke in there about how things were handled? Do you think you'd speak out about what you perceived as injustices along the way? I mean, you would definitely want the future readers to know just how awful or great or whatever it was, especially because of what other people have done or didn't do. I wonder how you'd write it also with a theological lens. What if you wrote down this story and you remembered to include God? Where's God been through all of this? Huh. I'd love to read that story. All right, okay, okay. You with me so far? Now, you're going to hate me in a second. What if... What if, just imagine, you remember that person that you were riding around in a car with a few minutes ago? Yeah, yeah, that person. What if that person was in charge of documenting the last two years? Yep, they are the one responsible for documenting the last two years, and every last detail that they write is going to be what will be saved and remembered for generations to come. People will look back on their writings, and that is the God's honest truth. That is exactly what happened. Whew. You okay with that? It's going to be accurate? You going to trust what they've written? Well, why not? I mean, they've lived through it too. Did you know that the Bible, especially the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, when we read those stories like we heard the story from Joseph today, the stories of Joseph and his brothers, it wasn't written by one person. In fact, it was written down by multiple sources. After Joseph reconciles with his brother, you notice at the very end he says, hey, have, have dad come back. So Jacob comes back to Egypt. Jacob also known as Israel. Jacob, 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. The story that we heard in Genesis is mainly written by two different sources, J and E. Yahwist for J and E, Elohist, Elohim. Yahweh is one way to call God and Elohim is another. Two different names for God. We don't know the actual name of the people who wrote these stories down, but their writing style is very different. And they clearly have two different lenses on how they viewed history. Did you know that J and E were not friends? The northern and southern kingdoms would eventually split. They're not aligned. They still believe the same God. They've got similar stories, but they definitely tell it differently. Perfect example would be how Jacob learns that Joseph is still alive And they all come together and everyone's reconciled. But now it's Jacob's time to die. So he gathers all of his family around for him for a blessing to provide some clarity on the inheritance. And one writer, Jay, says the birthright belongs to Judah, the fourth-born son, mind you. He will be the leader. In Genesis 49, your father's sons will will bow down before you, Judah. Yet in chapter 48... 
the birthright is handed out to one of Joseph's two sons, Ephraim. Later, Ephraim would become a name synonymous with the kingdom of Israel. That was written by E. What is happening in all of this time frame as all of these stories are getting put down on paper and everything's getting put together is the united, the Israelites who were once united, then split and then they get conquered and they go into exile. Different authors then emerged. You got D, which was Deuteronomy, and you've got P, priestly writer. These resources get produced. And guess what? Each of these writers saw history in a different way. Do you think that each of these writers wanted to make sure that their side of history would look more favorably upon them? Yeah. Yep, they did. Eventually, choices needed to be made. Whose story would win? What source do we read when we read the Bible? So it's that question that led an inspired group of about 20 of us to ask that question of who wrote the Bible. So the last three weeks, we've been reading this book together. We've gathered to talk about who put the Bible together, especially the Old Testament. And so on Friday, we're going to get together. We'll talk about the conclusion. So no spoilers here, but I'm going to spoil a little bit. Here's a little bit of a hint. So if you didn't finish reading the book and you've been listening and you've been part of this, here's a hint. Ultimately, an editor came along. And this editor had final say about how all of this got put together. And guess what this editor did? Do you think this editor threw out the parts of the book that he didn't like? Nope. He kept it all. And he combined it. And then he added to it. Even when the stories contradicted themselves, he sewed them together. The editor honored the traditions. Even the people who didn't believe like him. He honored the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible. And it was still divinely inspired. It was still a story of God and humanity. So why? Why did he do it? Well, as we think about how these sources all came together and get formed into this one book, this holy text, the author who wrote, who wrote the Bible said this, it's the context of a divided kingdom of Israel and Judah that we find two writers who fashioned two versions of their people's stories, J and E. But each version was intimately associated with the life of the community from which it came. It's in the, conste- in the context of the, of the fall of all that and the reunion of the divided peoples that we find someone uniting the two, forging together a single story that might serve the reunited community. So, there's not one universal story about what we have gone through in these last two years, is there? Some have suffered. Some very great Suffering has taken place. Some people have thrived. Some people have done both. There has been a lot of different emotions, a lot of different subthreads that have made up these last two years. What is universal is that God is with us, you and me, with the anti maskers and the maskers, the vaxxed and the anti vaxxed, the personal choice freedoms, and the we're all in this together crowds. Guess what? We are to love all of those neighbors. All of those threads are the story. And God has knit us together time and time again throughout history. 
You know, the stories are still being written. But as I see it, if we continue to choose love, no matter what the outcome is, we've chosen the right side. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.